Hi, this is Jovi. And this is Charlie. And you're listening to Bed Crime Stories. This is a weekly true crime podcast where we pour ourselves a drink and we take turns telling each other the stories that keep us up at night. I would just like to say, Charlie, mm-hmm. your tree is very pretty. Thanks. I see it. We're, we're on Zoom again. Um, and over Charlie's shoulder is her Christmas tree, and it's so pretty. It came out really nice this year. It's so pretty, yeah. Yeah, thank you. Last year we got um, so last year was our first year in this house, and we have like we have somewhat vaulted ceilings. So before we went to go buy our tree last year, I had said to my boyfriend, I was like, I want like a nice, super tall tree. And we just couldn't find anything that was tall but not like crappy and we also Mm -hmm. went tree shopping really late in the season last year so Mm -hmm. we're recording this the uh, the first week first full week in december so it's still early we actually got that the day after thanksgiving um last year we didn't go christmas christmas tree shopping until like middle of december so things were pretty yeah things were like slim picking by that point yeah so we wound up with only like a six foot tree which isn't super tall especially when like my boyfriend's six foot one so like it was definitely (laughs) not a tall tree um so we went early this year and i said i'm like i want tall but i want kind of thin like i want a trim tree (laughs) that Um, is not what she said and yeah it's like it's tall and a little skinny it is yeah um it's eight feet tall wow yeah so i was really happy with the tree that we got um we go to the exact same tree lot every single year um they're really great so it's very pretty good job good job we're not doing a christmas tree this year no no with everything that's been going on just no it's not life yeah etc etc yeah so we're Mm. we're skipping out on that this year but um it is what it is we'll Mm -hmm. be back with the tree next year Mm -hmm. so yeah yeah we actually did a decent amount of inside decorating this year more than last year um we have our tree up and i have some stuff on the um like the tv stand and then we strung um you know that pass through so we have like a a pass through window between our kitchen and our dining room mm-hmm. um has like a little bar on the bar we strung garland and his parents gave us these like really old i actually looked on the box they were made in 1987 Stop. So these really, yeah there are these really old like brass bells and when you <laughs> plug them in they actually play christmas music and they Cute. like legit ring right um and uh so we we kind of wrap that around the garland and have that strung over here and yeah we even bought outside decorations which wow. we never decorate outside yeah i don't know we went we were really feeling the Christmas spirit this year. So. Apparently. Yeah. Yeah. You, we were feeling you stole it. my Christmas spirit. You're like, you know what? Yeah. We're going to take hers. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I think so. No but, hate. No hate. Yeah. So, guys, 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 Charlie has influenced me. Yeah, I did. I'm to watch, <laughs> To watch The Vow. Bitches, The Vow. My god if you okay all the praises that charlie has been singing about this documentary are a thousand percent accurate it is insane like told you the first episode is kind of boring not gonna lie that's Um, why i didn't watch it for like a year right and i was like no there's no way that she's so obsessed with this and it's that boring there's no way i'm very glad i continued watching um Mm -hmm. you get very invested you know you Mm -hmm. you 
you just feel for the main players. Um, I cried at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate Keith Raniere. I can't <laughs> even tell you how many texts that I sent to Charlie. Like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. You've got to be fucking kidding me. Like, yeah. oh my, he makes me so angry. He is, mm-hmm. he is, um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he ruins so many people's lives Yep, and like successful people, you know? Oh yeah. Like Nancy, for example. I know. She had so much potential and she really thought that this was a program for good. It started out as a program for good because she is incredibly intelligent, incredibly Uh smart. And then he took it and made it what it became. And he's a piece of shit. And I hope he rots in hell and in Uh jail. And it's funny because the one episode where he was like, you know, if I'm in prison, they're going to know what I did. I'm not going to live. Oh, well. Yeah. Oh, well. You deserve every bit of it, dude. Sorry. And the I'm sorry. Crazy. Yes, it is. And I'm sorry. I'm sorry. These women who found him attractive need to get their eyes checked. Yeah. And like my whole thing. So my whole thing is this, right? There's an ass for seat. I never want to yuck anyone's yum. Mm. I understand that people are going to find people attractive that you don't find attractive. Mm. And also want to state that of course as a person who let's face it is a fucking cult leader right they have the power of manipulation over yeah. others but no, it's like, I know. as soon as that veil falls like how are you not completely repulsed by the fact correct. that he's like oh correct he's so grody and like his supporters mm-hmm. that had their dance sessions outside of the detention yeah. center and like they were talking in morse code or they were talking with in morse phones. code with the flashlights and i'm like how is three clicks of a flashlight mean the sentence that yeah. you got out of what he said? I so don't understand. Weird. So it's weird. craziness. Oh yeah. my God. If you guys don't really know anything about the whole Nexium cult sex craziness, sex trafficking case, mm-hmm. watch you it. have to watch The Vow. It is so good. And yes, that first episode is a struggle to get through. It is. But once you get through it, Oh, it's crazy. And it was really funny because, and I know I've I've said this before on the podcast, but like I watched the first season, ju- I finally got back into it this summer. Mm-hmm. And when I, w- fi- when I watched the last episode of the first season, I saw the preview for the season finale or the season premiere of season two. And I'm like, they're doing a season two. I got so excited. <laughs> so like, I feel like it was, I feel like season two is made for me because it's yeah. like, oh, Charlie's no. watching this. We got to make it good. Oh, for sure. And like, yeah. Even though the first episode is boring, you kind of need it you because do. it uh, it sets up everything. It kind mm-hmm. of puts in your mind's eye what it was supposed to kind of be before it went to shit. Yeah. Um, it gave you a quick overview of it. Yeah. Um, and it introduced you to like the two uh first whistleblowers the two yeah, fire and starters. i think i think the reason why i didn't like the first episode is because they do it in a way where you're not 100 percent sure like where those people stand mm-hmm. the people who wind up being the whistleblowers like mm-hmm. they show it and they're talking about nexium and they're talking about it really positively because i think they're just trying to set up the fact that like they went into this with the best of intentions right um and then when you watch that second episode, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I got mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, well, speaking yeah. of recommendations, we got a message um, on our Instagram. Uh-huh. And um, here, hold on. Let me, I want to give them a shout out. Okay. So it is Ian messaged us. He sent us a, di- a DM and he told us that he and his husband watched Sins of Our Mother on our recommendation. <gasps> yes. And he said, holy crap, it was crazy. <laughs> yes ian yes yes it was right um so ian thank you so much for for reaching out and um i'm so glad that you guys are listening to uh listening to our recommendations (laughs) and enjoy it um i also love the fact that he says i love your guys's podcast i say you guys is and your guys is too so i'm very curious if ian is from the northeast Mm -hmm. yeah um but yeah, that I appreciated that. It made me giggle the other that's, day when I got it. That's amazing. And honestly, yeah. guys, this should be proof that what we recommend we it's it's about. legit. We know what we're talking about. Yes. Like Man. watch it. Um speaking of, I actually am back into watching true crimey things. Fun. Um, yeah. I watched a Netflix docu a mini docuseries called Killer Sally. It was hmm. very interesting. Um it was uh what was her last Sally McNeil and her and her husband were both bodybuilders in the 80s. Hmm. And she did kill him. Like she she did kill him. Straight up killed him. <laughs> yeah. And what's sad is that I feel if that case was tried now, it would have been handled a lot different. Cause she she did shoot him in self-defense i think okay Okay. maybe maybe not so much the sec because she shot him twice okay the first one i think was definitely self-defense the second one i mean maybe it was a double tap i don't know but it was just like and her kids were even like no dad threw my mom she beat my mom this that and the other thing so like i don't know like i felt but you know what she did her time she did what she had to do Mm -hmm. and like i could respect her for it you know yeah. she she did the she did the crime she did the time and now she's mm-hmm. like married and happy and it's just like mm. it's really shitty that it had to happen but right. it's actually a very interesting um show i definitely recommend it definitely nice. recommend it yeah nice and it's nice because she tells the story mm, see so, i love that man give me mm-hmm. a first-hand account mm-hmm. yeah i love that yeah i have not been into true crimey things really? i yeah again still Still, mm-hmm. I'm actually back um, re-binging the West Wing. <laughs> Not shocked. Not shocked. Only my second time watching it. And at the end of every single episode, I go, I fucking love this show. <laughs> <laughs> every single episode. Huh. Fucking love that show, man. West Wing. It's great. It's great. I I well, getting back into true crime, I watched two things, but the vow was long, to be fair. The vow was long. And you watched both seasons back to back. So yes, yeah. I did. Yes, mm-hmm. I did. Um, and I'm also rewatch. I'm starting a Goldberg's rewatch because to lighten I love the that mood show. a little bit. Yeah. yeah, it's just fun. It's just a fun show, and it's good background noise. And mm-hmm. I forgot how funny and how ridiculous it is. So yeah, that's what yeah. I've been watching. Very nice. Yeah. Well, I actually have something that we haven't done in a really long time. Oh yeah, what's that? I have two true crime headlines. Wow. I know. Two. Kicking it old school. Kicking it old school. So the first one was um, posted earlier in the week, but it was updated today, Friday, December 9th on CNN. 
Headline is Philadelphia police reveal identity of child found dead mm. inside of a box 65 years ago. So mm-hmm. the boy in the box has a name. Um, his name is Joseph Augustus Zarelli. He was four years old um, when he was found. Um, he was four years old when he died. He was found in a box at Philadelphia 65 years ago. Um, wow. police say it's one of the city's oldest unsolved homicides. That is insane. Yeah, absolutely crazy. So they were able to, of course, through DNA analysis, mm-hmm. make an ID. Um, they haven't released information about the family of the boy yet. Um, mostly because I'm sure there's still a decent amount of investigating going on. Oh, for sure. Um, yeah. So we're still waiting to hear more information about the story itself, but definitely a win that um the boy in the box now has a name and yeah. he uh he's been identified. And, and we know who he is now so that's that's just so crazy but that yeah. also goes to show how much more advanced mm-hmm. things yeah. are now you know like it's just it's crazy and amazing it's crazy yeah. and amazing it's crazy amazing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. or amazing um, amazing <laughs> amazing no, hey. okay no. Um, one of the officers or one of the officials in the case says, um, the breakthrough brings hope that there will never again be an unidentified victim of homicide in the city of Philadelphia. That's a good hope. So let's hope police commissioner, Danielle outlaw. Ha ha. That's fucking cool. I love it. (laughs) It's like the best name for a police uh, commissioner. My personal opinion. Agreed. Uh, Yeah. It was February 25th, 1957, when his body was found. Dang. Crazy. Mm, 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 mm. Wow. Um, and then the other story that I have is, is kooky. Okay. Kooky. All Let's right. hear it. This was posted on BuzzFeed News on December 8th, 2022, okay. the anniversary of John Lennon's murder, by the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the headline is, former Grey's Anatomy writer Elizabeth Finch admitted she faked a cancer diagnosis <gasps> because she wanted attention and called it the biggest mistake of her life. Stop it. Yes. Are this, you... <laughs> oh, wow. This woman claimed that she had been diagnosed with a rare form of bone cancer oh in my God. 2012 and uh, said that chemotherapy had caused her to lose a kidney, lose a part of her leg, and have an abortion. Stop it. She even shaved her head to continue the lie. And her story inspired a storyline on Grey's Anatomy in season 15 in 2018. Uh, The same, yeah, the same year she told her colleagues that a close friend of hers had died in a terrorist attack at a synagogue in Pittsburgh which I don't know if that's true. She also says in, in 2019, she claimed that she'd been absent from the writer's room at Gray's because her older brother, Eric had died by suicide. Oh my! And God. again, don't even know if that's true either. What? She, Why? It, like, Why it's would just you do lie that? after lie after lie. <gasps> that's something serious says, to lie about though. Like if you want to lie to real. get attention, be like, Oh, I have the chicken pox or something like, mm-hmm. or, you know, don't lie and get positive attention another way. Oh my God. And do you want to hear like the, cr- my favorite part of the story? Okay. Okay. So it turns out she was exposed of all of her lies by her wife 
Jennifer Beyer. Okay. Jennifer is a registered nurse and she demanded that um, Elizabeth come clean to her friends and family after she discovered she was lying. So she even was lying to her own wife. No. And then because she didn't come clean, her wife, so Jennifer, actually contacted Disney and Shondaland. So uh, Shonda Rhymes, who is the producer. Right? Sure. sure. Um, contacted like the production company and Disney to let them know that she was lying about all this stuff. Wow. And now the two of them are getting divorced. Well, yeah. She goes, she admits the lies she told were fucked up. What I did was wrong. Not okay. Fucked up. All the words. You <laughs> think? Girl. Holy shit. I told a lie when I was 34 years old and it was the biggest mistake of my life. It just got bigger and bigger and bigger and got buried deeper and deeper inside of me. I've never had any form of cancer. I, I've I've got no words. I've I've literally got no words. Yeah, her friends and family have stopped talking to her, like completely disconnected from her life. Well, what, what does she expect? Like telling Correct. people that you have a rare form of bone cancer—that's yeah. very taxing on people's emotional state. You know, like yeah. people who love you are of course going to be worried about you, and you yeah. know. Oh my god. And like the writer people people who were her colleagues at the show had said that like they would make I don't want to say that they would make like excuses but they would make like exceptions for her because yeah. she was ill and like would let her leave for doctor's appointments and um she would have to take breaks because she would be weak and tired and all of this stuff so they like really allowed for her to heal through this mm -hmm. and gave her all of this room to continue working while she was going through all of this and she claims that her reason for lying was a coping mechanism for the alleged trauma she had experienced in the past claiming that her brother had physically abused her growing up uh, so okay yep. okay there you go i mean okay are they pursuing any kind of legal action against her that so i didn't read that far down oh <laughs> <laughs> um but they said it's definitely a form of like munchausen oh yeah because of course it's that like pretending you're sick or, yeah. or faking ill for attention and sympathy yeah, yeah yeah um yeah holy shit dude crazy right wow that's a crazy story wow yeah. mm-hmm just so. you know <sighs> okay because let's be real everybody tells little white lies sometimes sure. i mean it happens sure but i'm sorry you crossed a fucking line yeah like that line is crossed you're done yeah you're and done. i would even say that most people even have like life lies like where you create little like nug and again not like lies of i have this disease and i don't but i'm mm -hmm. saying like little like you embellish parts of your story mm -hmm. because it's it makes it more fascinating because it's something that was really cool or big to you and right. unless you added that little extra sauce to it other people might not appreciate the story you know right right right, right. and like i think everybody does it everybody embellishes everybody kind of goes a little bit above and beyond, above and beyond when they're telling a story and they want that attention oh, but sure. there's a big difference between saying you have cancer yeah and just being like <laughs> you know making something sound a little funnier than it actually was like, right i don't know right i, don't know. I agree yeah. holy shit well thank you for those headlines it was nice having a throwback like that mm -hmm. i dig it i dig it yeah
So. All right. Well, Jovi, yeah. it is now time for tonight's Beck Crime Story. It is. It is. Tonight, it's it's not going to be a very long one, guys, uh, but, but it's a very interesting one. I am going to be doing the story of the murder of Angela Samoda. Okay. And my resources are, of course, Wikipedia, um, Facing Evil podcast called um, Cold Case Solved Angela Samoda, Medium.com article by Marlena Smith Buris, a BBC article um, by Sarah McDermott, and Murdered by Morning, which is an oxygen show. Okay. So let's let's jump right on in. Angela Simoto was born September 19th of 1964 in Alameda, California. Her friends and family described her as very vivacious, very friendly, and everyone who knew her loved her and her bright smile. Mm. Um, she was just a happy person. She lit up every room she walked into. She did. She really did. Yeah. She good enrolled. Thing I don't. As Charlie walks around with an umbrella, no, I know. I'm like, no. I, I darken every corner I stand in. <laughs> she enrolled at Southern Methodist University in Dallas, Texas, when she was 18, and she studied computer science and electrical engineering. So that's smart. That's mm -hmm. you have to have good smarts for that because <laughs> that shit ain't easy. It is, yes, especially when you combine them like mm -hmm. electrical engineering is one thing but then when you throw in computer stuff no yeah just and any type of engineering degree is just uh-huh advanced agreed agreed mm -hmm. angela was known to stay up studying into you know the wee hours of the night into the early morning she was a hard worker when it came to her schooling like she wanted to be the best that she could be being one of the handful of girls in the computer science and electrical engineering department, she was considered a triple threat. She had a great personality. Mm -hmm. She was beautiful and she was super smart. Um, and she was also a sister of the Zeta Tau Alpha sorority. Yeah. Now, on the evening of October 12, 1984, 20-year-old Angela and her two friends, Russell Buchanan and Anita Collada, went to the Texas State Fair in Dallas. Now... It, it when I was listening to um to that podcast, they were saying how it was like a huge weekend because mm -hmm. the the local college football team, their rivals were in town, so it was like a big game. And basically, there was a lot of people at this mm -hmm. fair because there was million not millions, but thousands of people in the area. <laughs> There's millions of people <laughs> millions. there, millions. <laughs> After they had their fun at the fair, you know, ate all the fair food, mm. got some fried Oreos, things yeah. like that. I don't know if they really got fried Oreos. I'm now thinking about fried Oreos. I know. I love, oh my God, a corn dog. Like, yes. stop. I love a corn dog. Yes. Agreed. Fair food Ugh. is the best food. Yeah. But anyway, after the fair, the trio made their way to a local members only club called the Rio Room. They did bar hop to a few places beforehand, but they ultimately wound up there. And according to witnesses, Angela basically owned the room. She went from table to table, talking to friends and fellow classmates, and just had a good time. Mm -hmm. Around 1 a.m., the three of them leave the Rio room and climb into Angela's car. Because she knew she was driving, she obviously didn't drink all that much. And, you know, she was mm -hmm. being responsible, which is smart. After dropping off her two friends, she wound up stopping by her boyfriend, Ben McCall's place before she made her way home. Okay. Now, Ben was originally supposed to go to the fair with them, but 
he declined because he had work early the next morning. Mm. He was a construction worker and, you know, they wake up ass early, yeah. you know, to get their stuff done. And yeah, I don't blame him. I probably would have mm. done the same thing. Same. She went there. She didn't stay long. Uh, she was just there long enough to kind of say hello, good night and give him a kiss, which mm-hmm. is very sweet. Very sweet. Around 1.45 a.m., Ben received a call from Angela, who seemed, to, who seemed to be in a slight state of panic. She mm. had informed him that when she arrived home, there was a man she didn't know at her apartment. Mm. He had asked to use her bathroom and her phone, and it was then that she told Ben to keep talking to her, to be like, you know, keep me busy, stay on the phone with me. Mm-hmm. A minute or so later, Angela told Ben that she would call him right back and hung up abruptly. Ben didn't get a call back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, he waited. He waited about three to five minutes. You know, just mm-hmm. whatever. He tried calling her back. There was no answer. Something wasn't right in his gut. So he got into his car, drove to Angela's apartment, saw her car there. So he knew that she was home still. Like she didn't just abruptly leave for whatever reason. He mm-hmm. knocked on her door, called her name, but when she didn't answer, he tried to open the door. It was locked, but I mean, it's, right. it was worth a shot. Right. Because of his job, he had like the really early generation cell phone, like that big old Miami Vice looking cell phone, you know? The Zach Morris phone. <laughs> yes. Yes. The Zach Morris phone. And he used it to call 911. When the cops arrived at Angela's apartment around 2.15 a.m., they quickly knocked down the door. Mm. Upon entering her apartment, one of the officers noticed that there was only one high-heeled shoe, like, kind of in the middle of the floor. Mm. And he thought that that was odd, because why would a woman take off one high-heeled shoe and kind of walk around her apartment with one shoe on? Mm. Which I get, because it's not fun. As they turned the corner to go into her bedroom, not only was the other shoe in there, but so is Angela. They found her on her bed completely naked and covered in her own blood. Uh, when I was watching Murdered by Morning, it was brought up a few times that her eyes were open when they Ugh. had found her. Yeah. yeah. Thing. The only way to the bathroom was through her bedroom. And as the police continued to search the apartment and see what evidence they could find, they noticed that there was blood in the bathtub. Mm. Um, so they were under the impression that after... Um, he, he had murdered well it was a guy that had murdered her uh he went in there to kind of wash his hands do the best that he can mm-hmm. uh he didn't do too well of a job because when he went to turn off the light there's blood on there yeah. so her autopsy later revealed that she had been raped and stabbed a total of 18 times she was stabbed so hard that in some spots the knife went all the way through her body oh my god so it was a violent Yes. Violent murder. Mm-hmm. Um, an investigator at the scene said it was so gruesome and the stab wounds were so bad that it looked like her heart was ripped out of her chest. Oh, baby. Yeah. That's awful. That is terrible. Terrible. There were three main suspects in her murder. Her boyfriend, Ben, of course. Always. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It, it yeah. kind of goes hand in hand. Um, her friend, Russell Buchanan, the one that went with her to the fair. Right. And one of her ex-boyfriends that lived over 300 miles away. Mm. There was no concrete evidence found related to any of them, making it impossible for them to tie the murder to any one of them. Mm-hmm. 
during the investigation, it was concluded that her attacker was a non-secretor, which cleared both Ben and her ex-boyfriend. Okay. Um, and plus her ex-boyfriend had an alibi alibi that was corroborated for his whereabouts the night everything happened. Okay. This this left Russell, who um it was I think he only lived a couple of houses down from where Angela was. Right. So now he's the only suspect. But would she have said to her boyfriend on the phone that it was some guy there? Right. Right. Exactly. So- that's i mean i understand you look at the people who are closest to your victim first and then kind of move your way out but that seems incredibly unlikely that she would have instead of being like oh russell's here russell showed up and he surprised me you're not even calling at all because you know russell you were just with him why would you even call right yeah correct continue i'm sorry nope that's okay he was ultimately given a polygraph test which he passed ruling him out as well yeah Angela was Sheila Waisaki's best friend. They attended SMU together and were roommates as well. Uh, Sheila just happened not to be home the night that the attack happened. She was visiting her parents. Um, When they first met, they actually didn't get along well at all uh, because Angela's boyfriend at the time wasn't someone that Sheila really cared for. Mm -hmm. However, after they had broken up, the two of them bonded over growing up without fathers and became quick best friends Mm -hmm. after hearing the news about her best friend's tragic death sheila went down to the police station to sit down with the detectives on the case she said now this is actually coming from an article that she had um, an interview that she had done with the bbc and it's from the bbc article gotcha i don't Mm -hmm. roundabout way of saying (laughs) that um she said that the detectives were surrounded by all the files and they started to ask her if she knew certain people and Angela's schedule. And she also mentioned that she never went back to SMU after Angela's murder. She couldn't, she couldn't do it. She couldn't bring herself to do it from what she was hearing. She believed that the police were that the police believed that Russell was the one who murdered her. Mm. Sheila even told the police at one point that there was something about her that made her feel uncomfortable. Mm. However, she was determined to help in any way that she possibly could to get Angela's murderer behind bars. Right. Even though she agreed with the police in their belief that Russell had done it, she started to talk to him to see if maybe she'd get him to say something different, see okay. if like his story changes in any which way. And they decided to go to dinner together. Russell picked Sheila up and they went to a restaurant called August Moon. And afterwards, when she had talked to detectives, she confirmed that what he told her at dinner was the exact same story that he told them. Mm. So eh, if if he was lying, it would have changed a little bit or something would have been added in, you know? Right, right. It was at this And point- again, I'm sorry, I can't imagine. No, I know. the phone call just completely ruins that theory for me. I know I do. I get it. I honestly think at this point, though, too, that they were kind of reaching to. Oh, yeah. To find somebody. Absolutely. You know? No, I totally I, I definitely get that for yeah. sure. Yeah, for sure. It was at this point that the case went cold. Mm-hmm. Now, fast forward 20 years to 2004. Mm-hmm. Sheila is now married and a mom and lives with her family in Tennessee. One night while she was working on her Bible study homework, she looked to her right and there was Angela. She thought she was dreaming, but in that moment, she took it as a sign that it was time that she finally got justice. Mm-hmm. 
She called the Dallas Police Department and asked to be transferred to homicide. Of course, no one answered. They never did. And she left over 100 messages to try to get Angela's case reopened. And not one call was ever returned. Mm. And she had also called detective that was on the case initially because they had become friends like they mm-hmm. were well enough friends that she invited him to her wedding gotcha okay he didn't he didn't even call her back nothing mm. nothing um sheila was under the impression that the police department just thought she would give up eventually but uh she didn't <laughs> yeah i guess again yeah no no instead of just sitting around and waiting for her phone to ring she started doing her own research She printed out reports about all the rapes that had occurred during that time period, their location, and who was arrested to try to figure out what happened or if any of them were kind of um, connected, see if any Mm -hmm. of them were connected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One day she was complaining about this to the head of security of her gated community about constantly being blown off and how aggravating it was, and she just wanted answers. And then the security guard told her that she'd make a great private investigator. So... At the age of 40, she decided she was going to do just that. Good for her. Uh-huh. Once she obtained her PI license, she was convinced that the Dallas Police Department would sit down and work with her. No, they didn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> they honestly could have cared less. Yeah, and um, actually probably was less likely to work with her at that correct, point. Correct. Mm-hmm. Correct. However, they were so sick and tired of her calling constantly and, and just not leaving it alone that they eventually reopened the case and gave it to detective linda crumb detective crumb researched the case and knew that russell buchanan was the number one suspect she told sheila that not only was she caught up on what went on with the case but there was actually further evidence okay sheila was floored she was under the impression that the evidence that they had from the 80s was lost in a flood apparently that wasn't true. that happens all the fucking time it oh does. that wasn't true yeah it wasn't true Interesting. nope nope wasn't had... true you say <laughs> <laughs> just like that just like that <laughs> they had angela's rape kit along with samples of blood that were found under her fingernails from her fighting back against her attacker uh-huh. i love dna Me i love dna too. i like <laughs> i love it it's so wonderful it really it's the really best is. it's the best we would be so lost without it honestly oh, like DNA's it's so best. helpful it is so oh. helpful i love you double helix <laughs> mm. <laughs> i'm sorry that's okay when the when her murder initially happened it was kind of at the very beginning stages of dna testing so yeah it just it wasn't it wasn't even an option at yeah, the time. Yeah, for sure. So now, 20 years later, the testing could finally be done. The test still took a while to come back with the results. Um, they didn't get them until 2009, but it was well worth the wait because they had their guy. Sheila was fully expecting for Detective Crumb to say we got Russell Buchanan, but she didn't. Mm-hmm. She did not. The name of the murderer was Donald Bess. Uh, hey. Sheila is yeah Sheila called him the beast and not in a good way turns out that Donald was a serial rapist who was out on parole when he Shit. raped and killed her fuck uh, yeah and this man is grody as fuck is he gross oh well, he is gross yeah. I mean they 
all are but like yeah mm, it's kind of a trend with rapists huh? yeah it's like it's like one of those things where you look at him and you're like oh god yeah oh yeah mm. donald was already in prison serving a life sentence when it came time for the trial in 2010 he had previously been convicted in 1978 for aggravated sexual assault and aggravated kidnapping which he had been sentenced to 25 years in prison for and this is where when he was out on parole in 1984 when he mm-hmm. raped and killed angela mm. in 1985 in a case unrelated to angela's donald was sentenced in harris county texas to life imprisonment for one count of aggravated rape one count of aggravated kidnapping and one count of sexual assault. Dang. When it came time for the punishment phase of the 2010 trial, various women came forward and testified that they had also been raped by Donald. Hmm. His his ex-wife testified that he had abused her and their child during their marriage. Dang. Yep. They went in 1969 and divorced three years later. Smart. Yeah. Smart. On the basis of the DNA match, Donald Best was found guilty by the jury and on June 8, 2010, received the death sentence. Mm. On March 6, 2013, he filed an appeal but was obviously denied. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Donald Best actually wound up dying in prison from a heart attack um, October 8th of this year while oh, awaiting dang. execution. Uh-huh. Shit. Uh-huh. Russell Buchanan was exonerated. The cloud of murderous guilt hung over him for far too long. Yeah. And Sheila's that poor guy. I know. I know. And Sheila's persistence helped him get free. I knew free. he was not guilty all along. <laughs> you did. You absolutely did. Sheila Waisaki continues to work as a private investigator. Her mm-hmm. plans were to stop once Angela's case was solved, but the outpouring response from people was enough to keep her going. I love that. Yeah, me too. It was obvious her services were needed. She's helped families find closure thanks to her sleuthing skills. So you know what? Good for you, Sheila. Good for yeah, you. Yeah, rock on, Sheila. You're a real hey. Sheila. Right. It's an Australian term. <laughs> yes, I know. Um, <laughs> <hey>. <laughs> you know what this case... Okay, and any update on the boyfriend? Any update on him? Like no. what he's doing nowadays? No. No. I'm just um, curious. They, in 2016, though, the Dallas Police Department reestablished a unit specifically dedicated to cold cases yay we love a good cold yes. case unit DNA. Yes. Um, exactly <laughs> you know what this story reminds me of and it's mm. funny because her name is also angela mm. do you remember the story that i told a couple months ago of angela hammond angie hammond yes who got kidnapped on the side of the road with the yes. truck and the boyfriend or the husband happened to be driving by and like flipped a bitch and chased yes. after the car yes just like with the phone call, the whole like it's it was weird that it kind of evoked memories of Angie yes. Hammond. It so is, that it's, was it's very similar. And honestly, when I was researching this, that actually came up. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. But what yeah. a great I never heard that story. You yeah. have accomplished your goal, Jovi. Woohoo! Of a That's very two in a row. Unknown story. Yes. yes. And I just I what I loved about this was that her best friend was the one that was like, no. I want, she deserves justice. I, I was want to say, you would do that closed. for me. I would. Would you do that for me? I mean, yeah. <laughs> Kidding. Yes, of course I would. <laughs> I know you. Would. I mean, I don't know about like becoming a private investigator. Yes. Cause like, that's a lot. That's a lot. That but is I, a lot. I yell at a lot of people to get them motivated to do shit. I, I can yell. I, yes, you can. Like, I'm hey. afraid of you when you yell. Hey. 
<laughs> jackass. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I like that. That like, mm-hmm. even though it's, it's tragic that she died, I just love that she was loved enough mm-hmm. for them to not settle for no answer. I love unconventional true love. Yes. So like the true love between two best friends. Mm-hmm. It goes back to why this is going to be a really weird connection. <laughs> just warning you right, really quickly. Mm-hmm. It goes back to why I love Frozen so much. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. the true love story in Frozen is between two sisters. Correct. Like, yeah, we love what's his face? Hans. Jonathan Groff's character. Hans, Hans, right? We love him. I mean, right? honestly, Sven's my personal favorite. What's, is his name Hans? Yeah. No, right? Hans is the bad guy, right? No, Hans is no. the good guy. Bad guy is um fuck. I don't remember now. I don't remember. Sven is the hottest guy in that movie. <laughs> He's a hot reindeer. We yes. love Sven. He's the best. Yes. And I'm sorry, Team Sven over Team uh Olaf. No, hold on. I'm gonna yes. Oh no, I agree. Hold Sven on. Sven is the superior sidekick of Frozen. <laughs> I'm just throwing that out there. Hold on. I have to Google what his name is because it's bothering me. It's isn't. Oh, no, no. His name no, is Hans Christoph. Is the bad guy. Christoph. Yes. No, his Christoph, name is Christoph. We love. Hans is Prince of the Hans Southern is the Isles. Bad guy. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Anyway, but that's why I love Frozen because it's unconventional true love, right? It's not what you Correct. would expect in a story because you think that the real love is between Anna and Christoph, but it's nope. not. not. The real love is between Anna and her sister. And then mm-hmm. when she thinks that. Elsa, di- spoiler alert for Frozen 2 that came out three years ago, four <laughs> years ago, something like that. Um, when she thinks her sister died, like that was what broke her. It was like she right. could survive without Kristoff, but okay. she it was almost impossible for her to move on after her sister died. And it's like, I love shit like that. Yep. Because, you know, that's the love that that's the love that brings us through. I agree. That's the shit that makes life worth living. I agree. I agree. So I love, I agree with you. I love the fact that it was her best friend that was like, no, fuck it. I'm not, I'm not Mm -hmm. living with no answers anymore. I refuse. Yeah. Yeah. Badass. I love that shit. Same. Great story. Sad. Very sad. I am so happy with the ending of that story. Me too. Makes me happy. It's like the silver lining. Yeah. It's the sun at the end of the storm or it's the rainbow at the end of the storm. It is. It's my sunshine after the rain. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah i mean and i think we've we've had a couple of conversations about stories like that of you know you hate the thing that happened first right like Mm -hmm. the the catalyst is the the horror story but then when when if if at the very least something good can come of it right if there can be a silver lining if there can be something good that comes of this horrific tragedy Mm -hmm. that's i mean that's that's absolutely beautiful right that's the perseverance of of humans and um being able to overcome those awful things that happen to us and it's like things like this that restores my faith a little bit in humanity you know i agree i agree agree. until they until humanity does something stupid and i hate it again so yeah like i said sheila you're a real sheila Mm -hmm. (laughs) i can't do an australian accent so i'm not even gonna try no no don't do it but well thank you jovi again great great story thank you you're welcome mm-hmm. um well guys thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of bed crime stories we appreciate everything that you do for us um which is listen um <laughs> it's also interacting with us on our social meds 
and believing you know, in our recommendations. And I was going to say, give an extra shout out to Ian for believing mm-hmm. in our recommendations. Him and his mm-hmm. husband. Um, just enjoy the enjoy the crap that we tell you to watch. Yes, we know what we're talking about. We sure do. Uh, we are the Siskel and Ebert of true crime. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pointing that now. All right. I'm down. Um, two thumbs up for the bell. Um, so make sure that wherever you are listening to this podcast, you like, rate, review, and subscribe. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that you tell a friend. You can find us on social media, Instagram. The cheese stands alone on Instagram. That's kind of the only one that we're using. Uh, Bed Crime Stories is our handle there. Um, you can also send us an email. Um, it's bedcrimestoriespod at gmail.com so if you have story suggestions if you just want to say hey uh share pictures of your pets tell us a good story just about tell us ooh, tell us a story about your unconventional true love yeah but like to me my true love in my life is jovi and my sister yes those are that's my that's it they're my ride or dies couldn't live without them those are my unconventional true loves mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. Send us an email because I want to know and we'll talk about it um, in a future episode. Yes. If we get some uh, if we get some answers for that. So just write in an email and just let us know who is your non-romantic true love. It could be an animal. Mm-hmm. It could be a friend. It could be a family member. I'm curious. I want to. Yeah. Know. Please. Um, interact, that is, guys. That's your interact. assignment. That is your assignment <laughs> for this week, guys um i think i said all the things all right guys um you know as always we ask you to be kind be the band-aid please please give give someone a hug mm-hmm. that's your other assignment mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. your extra credit for this it week. is give yes someone a hug. yes um and uh we'll see you all next week though but until then sweet, sweet dreams, dreams. Our theme song is the song Industrial Music Box by Kevin McLeod at incompetech.com. Licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0. Creativecommons.org backslash licenses backslash by backslash 3.0.